Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. I'm Dave Lorenzo, and this is a special show. This is for, well, it's for everybody, but at the beginning of our time together today, I'm especially talking to you professionals, and I talk till I'm blue in the face. I beat my head against the wall to get professionals to handle an issue, a mistake, or a problem in a very specific way. And I've done this for years, yet I can't seem to get through. So I've brought in an expert today for you to help you understand the value in correcting the mistake that you may have made. We're all human. We all may make mistakes. In addition, my guest today is a litigator, and he has a huge breadth of experience. He's got a lot of strategy to share with us, and he's going to share with us his journey with the hopes that it can inform us as to how we can be successful in a professional practice. Please join me in welcoming Charles Franklin to the Inside BS Show. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, being here. You know, when you start giving these uh, effusive compliments, I start looking over my shoulder. Who is he talking about? (laughs) Well, we're we're talking about you. And um, those of you who... uh, uh, if you if you didn't know, uh, Charlie and I have something in common. Well, we have two things in common. Aside from being astonishingly good looking, um, we also have Miami in common. I'm in Miami right now, and and Charlie is a graduate of the University of Miami Law School. So shout out to to all my friends from the U. We have uh, we have an alumnus in our midst, and you can be certain that this is going to be a great show. Now, Charlie. I want to start off by talking about you. You have a you have a niche in your in your practice where you represent uh, licensed professionals, and I want to start off with the the three C's of uh, handling an issue when a licensed professional gets into a little trouble. And you were you were uh, generous, and you wrote an article a number of years ago, and and you highlighted those three C's as candor, contrition, and cooperation. Talk about what a professional should do the minute they get a letter from a governing body like a bar association or a licensing committee and, you know, their their heart skips a beat and they're, you know, as a as a professional, their first reaction is to be defensive. Why is that wrong and what should they do? Sure. Uh, well, those, those are a lot of a lot of questions right in there. I mean, the first thing you get the letter and your stomach drops to the floor and you go into this panic. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the first thing to, to tell everybody is don't panic, uh, number one, uh, and be open about it. Uh, talk to somebody about it. Um, usually, you know, if you get it and there's all of them, virtually every uh, uh, government body that I've dealt with, they'll give you more time. You know, because a lot of times they'll say you got to respond within five days or ten days or something like that. You can get more time if you ask for it, but a lot of times people don't uh, just forget to ask for it. But as far as approaching goes, um, the situation when you get contacted by a licensing body or a licensing authority is different, and by regulators is different than a regular malpractice case. They will all talk about complaints. But complaints have a lot of different meanings. In a regular lawsuit, there's a formal complaint, accusations have been made, somebody files suit, it's a public document, and you can see it. In a um, regulatory proceeding, a lot of times there's nothing. Uh, they can 
do they can the regulars will say we received a complaint it can be a phone call it can be just a, an inquiry it can be anything and it doesn't have to come from a, a victim or anyone frankly so it's it's a lot more anonymous a lot less responsibility the biggest thing with it though and and, and unfortunately the more sophisticated the profession the harder it is to to work with um, uh, but but it it with regulators it's okay in my experience, to admit you've made a mistake. I mean, typically, most people, when there's a, a malpractice issue, you want to deny it, it didn't happen, there was no damage, no harm, no foul. You know, and essentially with, with malpractice, if there is no harm, there's no foul. It doesn't matter how bad you were. Uh, if there was no actual damage, it doesn't matter. Regulators don't care. They, you know, uh, by and large, know that broken clocks are right twice a day. It doesn't matter if you came up with the right answer. It doesn't matter if you came up with the wrong answer. They want to know if you know what you're doing. Can you, can you uh, uh, explain why you did what you did? Not necessarily, it doesn't really matter whether it's right or wrong. Do you have a rational basis for why you did what you did? So that, 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 you know, that goes to the, I, I guess, to the, the, the candor. The biggest thing, you know, you have the three things that you said, the candor, contrition, cooperation. They all, regulars by and large, since they understand mistakes happen, it's okay to show contrition. Contrition goes a really long, long way. Um, if you say you're sorry for the result, you know, you, you understand why these, you know, that there, somebody could view whatever you did differently, uh, all those things. Um, and, and that's why, you know, I talk about contrition. They are willing to forgive if you admit it could have been a different result or you could have done things differently. Expediency is a reason why a lot of people do things. It's not a justification. It may be a reason why you did it, but it doesn't necessarily justify it. Then you have cooperation. Typically with uh, regulators, if you cooperate with the investigation, you get a lot better result. Um, bulls and china shops in ordinarily in licensing uh, uh, cases don't really work. They may be effective once, they may intimidate somebody once, but the, the regulator holds your license in your hand, and without your license, you have no livelihood. And without your livelihood, you know, you have no money and your family starts starving. So it, it's, uh, uh, you know, you, you, know you, you go with the, 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 the candor, uh, well, you go with the cooperation and, and the contrition. And the last one, and the most important thing, frankly, is candor. If you lie to the investigators across the board, that's a problem. Um, you, that's why I say it's okay to, as a professional to make a mistake. It's it, the approach that you take in a licensing or a disciplinary thing is uh, hearing is different. It can be different than in a malpractice. Now, sometimes you know they all you'll have three ongoing investigations at the same time. You'll have a licensing issue. You'll have a civil litigation issue where the victim is pursuing you, and you have a criminal issue, you know, uh, in fraud, embezzlement cases, or, uh, you know, some sort of a, a accounting issue. You'll have, you'll frequently have all three. If there's a mortgage fraud case, you'll have all three, um, all those things. Uh, but the approach, at least, that I take, and I have found I've been in practice for 42 years, I found it effective is, again, trying to get my clients to understand it's okay to admit a mistake, and show some regret, so, you know, show some contrition. Um, you know, you don't want to deny, deny, deny. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's okay in the licensing, uh, you know, in the, in, in the, in the licensing uh, 
So one of the things that I think um, between between the lines and what you said there and implied in your in your response that I think people miss, especially lawyers, Charlie, is you need representation. Oh, definitely. If somebody if somebody has filed a complaint against you, you're not a good enough lawyer to represent yourself because you're emotionally involved. Just like you wouldn't remove your own appendix, you need representation. And for the, for no other reason than there's the attorney-client privilege that's attached. And if Charlie's representing you, he can go to the regulating body and say, listen, this is probably going to raise a civil suit. We'd like, to, we'd like to get the complaint portion settled with as little on the record as possible because we don't want that to be discoverable. I mean, I, Charlie, I can't tell you. It's maddening to me how many people try, especially lawyers. Lawyers are the worst, in my opinion, because they try and handle it themselves. Explain why you need representation better than I just okay. did. The, you know, number one, you know, a lawyer represents himself as a fool for a client. You know, that's the, the cliche. But the, the, it's really important in the regular uh, arena to understand the nuances. For example, at least here in Illinois, where I'm licensed, um, a fine is considered a discipline. And if you have a license, and you, you have to report that discipline. And if you have more than one license, and a lot of times you'll see uh, real estate brokers who are lawyers, who are appraisers, who are in, in, um, inspectors, they have to report if they have any discipline in any, if they have a, if they receive a discipline or a complaint in any particular, against any particular license, they have to report it, all of them. And if they don't, that's a, that, that's, that, that, that's a problem. What you're trying to do is sell empathy. And by having a, a person speaking on your behalf, it, you can insulate yourself, I guess, you know, a little bit. You have somebody, you know, selling, selling your program for you. You're trying to sell it. You're trying to get the regulators to understand why, you've, why what was done was done and putting them in your shoes. You're not selling sympathy. You don't really care. You want them to understand why you did what you did. Now, talk about the difference between, and I think this is across all professions, the difference between a procedural error and a, a, a grievous, um, you know, a grievous issue that, a grievous issue of your practice. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean for people who, I kind of mealy mouth that a little bit. So a procedural error in the practice of law would be, hey, uh, my attorney didn't return my calls, right? My, my, attorney, um, my attorney made a mistake and only returned a third of the escrow to me. Um, I called him and he returned the rest six weeks later or whatever, all right? That's a procedural error. Then there's a grievous error where, like, I had a case, I was the investigating member on a case, Charlie, um, you're going to love this, lawyer, 30-year lawyer, uh, trust and estates attorney in a, in a partnership, had a partner, and was named in an instrument he drafted, Okay. So he received, and it was no small amount. It was over three hundred thousand um, dollars. The the client had no other uh, beneficiaries. Left uh, a third of her estate to some charities. The charities got aggravated and said we should have received more. She told us she was going to give us more. So I get the file and I go in there, and it's it's black letter law that an attorney here in Florida, an attorney cannot be named in an instrument he or she has drafted. So that is something that the attorney should have known. That's very different than 
failure to communicate. That's very different than, you know, uh, making a, a clerical error and transposing some numbers on a, on a document. Explain how you approach both of those with a client and what a client should do. First of all, if a client makes an intentional, you know, if, if the client intentionally violates the canons of ethics, you got a huge problem. A clerical error or a procedural error is a very different thing. Help us understand the difference. With a, you know, one goes to basically intent and, you know, uh, you know, uh, bad, uh, you know, uh, you know, bad behavior, uh, one as opposed to carelessness. Now, they can all be, they can all have the same sort of sanction against you, you know, which is, can be, a, it can be a suspension or a revocation or a censure or, a, uh, you know, a rescission, whatever. Um, all those you know, it, 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 it depends on, on your reaction to it. But as far as the, you know, the undue influence, you know, in your situation, or, or actually putting yourself into, into the instrument itself, I mean, you, there are other remedies involved that, you know, if, the, if, if, if there's a, either a criminal or a civil aspect involved, you have those remedies that, that, are, that are pursued in a different jurisdiction or different venue, I should say, um, as opposed to the licensing uh, thing. Now, with, with, if it's a pattern of behavior, the regulators look at that pattern of behavior. If, it's, if, it, if it occurred once, the regulators look at it, you know, that it, it happened once. But typically, in that situation where he's, where he's put himself into that particular will, it happens more than once. It's, you know, you always say this is the first time it's, you know, this is the only time it's happened. It's the only time he's been caught, you know, that. So, Charlie, you are so, you are so smart. The, well, the first thing I did when I went in to interview him is I said, you, you are entitled to representation. You don't have, I'm an investigating member of the grievance committee. I'm not a lawyer. And you are entitled to representation. And he said, you know, I'm fine. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see the need for that. And I, and I said, we have these documents here. And I, and I showed him the documents. He said, yeah, yeah, I drafted that. And I said, and you named yourself in the instrument. And he said, yes, I did. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to advise you once again, you're entitled to representation. And he said, I know, you already said that. And I'm recording the whole interview. I, I, he said, I'm fine. And I said, have you done this before? And he said, yes. And I said, how many times? And he said, three and then I said, do you have copies of those files? And Charlie, he handed me the files. He gave me the files, Charlie. Th at that point, because uh, it, it's not good. I I'm going to go on the record here and say it's not good for my business to get lawyers in trouble. Yeah. So I, I stood up and I said, I'm going to leave these files here. You're, you're not to destroy them. You're not to do anything with them. I need you to get counsel and we will continue this interview. I'm going to call you at the end of the week, and we will continue this interview. Now, this this particular gentleman made restitution, and he he his counsel advised him to do exactly what you said. He he got hit pretty hard, and he was toward the end of his career, so he elected to you know turn his, turn in his license um, and retire. And the record you know didn't reflect everything that happened. So, you know, all things considered, it was a it was a good result for him. Um, you know, his his career wasn't blemished by this. But my goodness, Charlie, this is why you need representation. And one, a lot of times, you know, one thing leads to the next and, and you, know, you know, they'll open their mouth and, and they'll, and they'll, they'll uh, you know, just continue to dig the whole uh, uh, 
deeper and deeper. Now, one of the things, you know, we mentioned earlier, you know, and I said a fine in Illinois is a discipline. A fee is not. And they'll dangle a lot of times if they don't know. And to, you know, your point about knowing somebody who does this business, the prosecutors will say, listen, you pay a $500 fine, it all goes away. And, you know, again, it's a discipline. So that means you got to report it to everybody. If you pay a $500 fee, it's not a discipline. It doesn't get reported. It's non-public, you know, but you have to know that, and the prosecutors won't tell you that. You know, uh, there, there are things called warning letters. They won't tell you about warning letters. They won't tell you about consent for administrative supervision. They want the scalps. They're like anybody else. You know, the more convictions they get, the better. They're not there to serve you or to help you. And unfortunately, a lot of people who think when they appear before the investigators, you know, they're your friend because it's a friendly conversation typically, just like what you had. You know, with, with, with this fellow, it's it's not it it many times you the the investigator does not present himself as being adversarial when it really is. He's looking to find out what happened, and you, if you don't know when to be quiet, you know it it's it's a problem. I've had situations where unfortunately, the FBI is in the back of the room. You know, it's a hearing, and if my client testifies, he's going to be hanging himself. So he has to take the fifth. Well, if you take the fifth, you lose your license. And the choice was, well, do I lose my license or do I lose my freedom? And that's, you know, that's the Hobson's choice that you take. But, you know, again, you know, if he, he wants, but, you know, I, I, he wants to defend himself and represent why he, why, you know, why he did what he did. And I said, you're only going to get, you know, it's a mortgage fraud case. If you talk, if you're an appraiser and you were involved in some sort of uh, bad activity, you know, you're going to hang yourself. You may save your license, but you're going to hang yourself. All right. Talk about the difference. So, you know, one of the things that really strikes me, I'm sure. So talk about the difference across across the professions, because I only you know, I I've only experienced this process with lawyers and lack of candor is a huge with lawyers. You'll you will lose your license for lack of candor. If I'm an investigating member uh, of a grievance committee, even though I'm just Dave and you see me outside cutting my grass on a Saturday or coaching little league, you know, if, if we're in a formal proceeding and I'm recording it and you're, and you have a lack of candor with me, you could be in real serious trouble. So is that the same across all professions or is it just a practice of law? The candor, the honesty is across all professions. If you lie to the investigators, that's a bad thing. Either don't say anything, but don't lie. You know, that that's across the profession, but different professions have different triggers. With attorneys, I mean, you can do a lot of bad things. You can, you know, put yourself in wills. You can, you can uh, rip off your partners. You can, you know, lie, steal, and cheat, you know, with, with other people. But if you take money from the trust account, that's the really bad thing. So, you know, whether, and whether you take $100 from the trust account or you take a million dollars from the trust account, the punishment is going to be bad you know, a year suspension, three-year suspension, revocation, whatever. It's going to be a bad punishment no matter how much is taken from the trust account um, because the, theoretically the trust account money is not yours and that's the, the worst thing for a lawyer. For a physician or any, frankly, in any of the medical professions, um, you know, you can be drunk, you can have all these other things. They're all bad, but the worst thing is, you know, improper touching with the patient. You know, however you, whatever you want to do, if it, if it's, uh, you know, um, you know, even if you thought it was consensual or not, if it turns out, you know, you break up in the end and you get these accusations, if it's improper touching, 
bad. You know, if you chopped off the wrong leg, that may be bad, may be malpractice, it may be a lot of other things. But the, the penalty is different, uh, you know, so it, which is one of the hard things with physicians, and I have the hardest time with physicians convincing them it's okay to admit that you made a mistake. You, you know, you, you, were, you were intoxicated, you, were, you, you read the, the, the you chopped, uh, you know, you, you cut the wrong leg or something because of what you were, what you were given. Those are bad, but it's not as bad as, as sex, at least here, you know. In, in yeah, I mean, it, may, it makes sense. It's a, that's, a, that's a betrayal of the, of the, of the trust of, their, of the oath that they took yeah. to do no harm. I mean, right, with, 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 you know, real estate, in my experience with real estate brokers, it's being involved in any kind of mortgage fraud. You know, that's the bad, bad situation. Um, you know, whether they had sex with their client, that's something else. It may not be ethical, but you know, that, that's not, that's not the bad, that's not the worst thing. So if you, if you want to have sex with your clients, don't be a doctor, be a realtor. <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to take money from the trust account, take a lot of money. Don't take, you know, it's going to be just as bad. Uh, so I want to, um, I want to hear about how you got into, uh, the representation of licensed professionals. I, you know, I have a, I have a, a, a my gut tells me it, it probably sprung from the insurance litigation work that you, that you do before we get into that. I need to remind people that our show is brought to you by Sandrowski corporate advisors for over 35 years. Sandrowski has provided expert client service to people all over the United States. Now, they, they work in a number of different areas. One of my favorite things that Sandrowski Corporate Advisors does is they help with forensic accounting. So if you're a litigator and you end up in a really contentious case, and the contentious case involves financials, and something doesn't seem right either to you or to your client, you're just, you, you just get a bad feeling about the financials. Even if you're an expert in financials, my advice, bring in Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, have them dig into the numbers because they've been doing this exact thing for over 35 years. They'll get to the bottom of the situation and if they can't figure out what's going on, they will help you with the right questions to ask and the places to look for the money that you're seeking. We see this all the time, and I, you know, I sit around the offices uh, of Sundrowski Corporate Advisors, and you know, we talk about cases that they're working on without giving a lot of detail, and invariably there's always some sort of a, a case where maybe a spouse is hiding money from the other spouse, and the financials just don't look right, or a partnership is breaking up, and one partner thinks things seem inequitable, but he can't put his finger on it. Sandrowski can help. They can help you get to the bottom of it. Let them take a look at your case. Here's the number you can call, 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. We're also brought to you by My Revenue Roadmap Guide. If you want a business development plan that can put you on track to growing the relationships that you have in your practice, Download my Revenue Roadmap Guide. Go to revenueroadmapguide.com, revenueroadmapguide.com. Enter your contact info, and you'll be able to download my guide for free. And the reason it's free is because I want to thank you for watching. I want to thank you for listening. So I appreciate you being here. Go to revenueroadmapguide.com. Enter your contact info. Download 
your free guide today. Okay, Charlie, we uh, I asked you right before we took that quick break how you got into working with licensed professionals, and I guessed, maybe I'm wrong, that it had something to do with your your uh, handling of insurance cases. Is that how you got into this? Um, sort of. I, I did work okay. for, when I first got out of law school, out of Miami, I was fortunate, I, a firm up here in Chicago hired me, so I never had to look for a job, and they did a lot of insurance defense work. So I was, you know, sort of trained in, and in, in, in they did a lot of uh, suspicious claim stuff, arsons, frauds, things like that, where they represented the insurance companies who didn't want to, didn't want to pay the claim, but they had to, with arson, usually when an insurance company has to uh, look at those things, it's the insurance company's burden to prove why they take the position they, they're, they're taking, why they're, how to justify the declination of the claim, and that's that's how I uh, that's how I started. Um, I worked uh, actually a lawyer in my office who uh, worked with me. His brother was a realtor, and his brother got into trouble on a in a house in Evanston, frankly, and uh, on dealing with uh, had some issues about it. And that was I don't know probably 35 years ago, I bet at least. And I was a relatively young lawyer. And he asked me if I could represent him and help him and do that. Uh, it wasn't part of the, the firm that I was with or anything like that. And I said, sure. Um, you know, I, I've never done it before. I'll try, you know, what, you know, and I got him off. And um, that one thing by word of mouth led to another. Initially, it was just brokers. Then it became appraisers. Then it became inspectors. Then it became massage therapists. Then it became physicians then you know and then attorneys and, and things like that and and so that that's how it is you know it, it's 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 I have now a believe it or not a hair braider in Illinois you have to be licensed to braid hair which is something I didn't know until this person was uh, dinged you know for not having a license to braid hair so you know just let that be a warning or, or a lesson or something and what types of cases do you work on uh, throughout the course of your regular work day? I mean, professional responsibility is a portion of your practice, yeah. but talk about the types of cases you work on as a, as a matter of, you know, just uh, your day-to-day -day work. I do a lot of insurance coverage work, but I represent the policyholders. So um, I'll have clients who either want to have their policy an analyzed and say, you know, if this happens, am I, will I be covered? And I'll, I'll, I'll provide them with an analysis of that. I do a lot of that. I do a lot of, um, frankly, a, a lot of case, uh, a lot of not only review of the policies but advocating for the policyholder against the insurance company if they deny the claim, um, if they have not uh, honored their obligation, at least in my my feeling. Whether it's uh, you know there are many policies, uh, there are many situations where you have additional insureds or lien holders who are entitled to either coverage or entitled to payments under policies and for a variety of reasons they don't get paid or they're not or they're they're the obligation that the insurance company has to them is not honored and so I'll, I'll advocate for them so you know it sounds uh, sort of uh, uh, muddled but you know a, a bank for instance a bank is a mortgagee on a policy and the insured does something to void the policy well the bank should still get paid you know, you know, or or the the people the the lenders lost pay. You should still get paid uh, under those policies. You'll have situations where um, there is a fire, and the insurance company, in, in uh, you know, for uh, 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 the insurance company is reluctant to pay everything that should be. They owe replacement costs. They only want to pay actual cash value. They 
the in Illinois at least you'll have situations where uh, there's a hailstorm and two sides of the building are damaged but you know they they only so they only want to pay for those two sides but all four have to match all four sides have to match and the, the you know they can't repair just the two sides and keep it matching well you're entitled to have it matched you know I, it's those sorts of things that's great. You know, I, I I joke all the time with my friends who are in the insurance business that insurance companies weren't built on a foundation of paid claims, right? right? right, right, right. <laughs> that's that's why it's such a good business is because they don't like to pay. <laughs> you know, they used to say deny, delay, don't pay, and you know there there are some substandards that are like that, but by and large they they know what they're they're supposed to do. It's just. They all have. So what is we we talk about? You know, just uh, just to digress a minute, we always talk about bad faith. There's a duty of good faith, and everybody, and you have to understand whether or not you have bad faith or not. They have to. Everyone has that duty to good. You know, I I really I really admire your career path because you saw an opportunity and you jumped on it, and I think so many people. Um, these opportunities, all of us are presented with opportunities like you were where your friend said or the, the person said, hey, will you represent my buddy or my, my brother or my friend who, you know, who's getting dinged here? And you were like, sure, I'll give it a shot. And this turned into a really uh, fantastic niche for you. What's your advice to, to young professionals who are, who are just starting out and somebody wants to throw them in the deep end of the pool and they're, and they're, they're, they're concerned, they're worried that they're, not, that they're not up to the task? I mean, you jumped in. What's your advice to young professionals when this situation um, presents itself? You know, realize that everybody has performance anxiety. Everybody has, you know, so, and just do it. You know, the, the first step, the first, you know, the longest march begins with the first step. Sometimes you just have to do it, you know, not whether you, you know, not, I have all these cliches and things, these sayings in my head, you know, 90% is just showing up, you know, just do it. You'd be surprised, you know, ask the question. Um, uh, you, there will be times where you fall on your face and, you know, that's, that's, that's sort of understanding how it is. I've done a lot of sports coaching and stuff in my, in over, I've had three boys and, uh, you know, you, failure is part of the thing. Experience, it, it builds your experience. Don't make the mistake more than once if you don't have to. But, you know, everybody's, again, it, it goes to my thing about candor, contrition, cooperation. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody. And acknowledge that. You know, it's a matter of why you made the mistakes and, and, and learning from the mistakes. And, again, it sounds cliche, but it's really true. So I say do it. I tell everybody who works with me, join. I don't care what you join, but join and be active, you know, join something you like and be active and, and you'll get a lot more I I enjoyment out of it and experience. And you'll be surprised if you if it's not a fight, you'll have a, you know, it, it, it's a it's a growth experience. So I say join and do it. Yeah, you seem you seem like a really good natured person. So tell us what is a give us an example of a case where you had a lot of fun. Can you can you think of a case that came comes to mind where you were just like, I don't want this to end. This is great. I re I'm really liking this. <laughs> well, I, I a couple come to mind. I was involved. I was fortunate. I I have been fortunate in my career to to be in some cases where I was involved in the the city of Dixon which is, uh, in the city of Dixon case, was the largest municipal embezzlement in U.S. history. It was where the, the comptroller, um, treasurer of the city of Dixon stole many, many millions of dollars over a few years. And it was a case where I represented a bank, 
and we were sort of on this on the sideline. We were a peripheral party. We were we were there, but it was a case where that went on in the investigation, and you just it was peeling an onion as to why it happened, how it happened, and who was actually involved. And there were there were some accounting firms, there was uh, another bank, there was the city and all the city employees, and it was just it was just. It was gratifying, and my client in the end didn't have to pay anything, which was terrific, you know. But it, it, it was one of those cases where I just you learn so much about municipal operations. You learn about how in government how government functions. You learn about accounting and how these accounting how, you know, how some big accounting firms operate and small ones operate. It just it was really a tremendously educational experience, and how banks and how you know the importance of. The, the, the tellers, frankly, and what they recognize and what they don't see, and how sophisticated things were. In, in the city of Dixon, the uh, Rita Crunwell, she used to collect the the mail for the city and would distribute it, and which is just it's mind-boggling. It's like you know uh, Lori Lightfoot taking this, the mail for the city of Chicago, and you know collecting it and then distributing it. It's just it's sort of mind-boggling because Dixon, while it's a small town, it's still you know fifteen twenty thousand people. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it was, great. It was it was a that was a that was a that was a case I didn't want to end, but it did. What um what organizations what groups do you belong to and um and how do you uh, how do you make the most because you mentioned and uh, I let it go but I want I want to go back to that you mentioned you know joining groups joining uh, associations and making connections what groups and associations do you belong to and how do you make the most of that, that those types of memberships because a lot of people listening will be like us they'll be they might be members of Provisors which is a fantastic group how do you make the most of those because you. You know, you've you've seen a lot, and there, you know, there are there are so many people in these organizations. How do you pick the right people to connect with? I'm, it's a it's, it's an ongoing battle. It's an ongoing struggle. I'm always trying to do that. Um, now, I I David, I do belong to Provisors. I belong to some other organizations that are like Provisors, and just you know, I guess competitors. Uh, their relationship networking groups. One's called TAC. One's called uh, paying professional executive networking group and others, but we also belong to um, uh, chambers of commerce. And because with me, I never know where business is going to come. I also, like I said, did a lot of coaching. So youth, youth, youth sports was very important. People knew you're a lawyer; they want to talk to you for two minutes and giving giving them the time to do that. And then ultimately, they'll come back. And then. Uh, uh, I belong to some advisory boards, some school boards. And, you know, again, joining organizations. I really don't care. One of the one of the lawyers in my office became very, very involved in fantasy sports, in a, a, just a, a, a fantasy sports association. And he ended up going to NBC Universal, and now he's actually with Bet MGM. You know, but he, from joining and pushing them to join. And I pay, you know, the, the bar associations have various committees, Again, you, there's a lot of, uh, uh, once you start joining and once you become uh, knowing and liking and trusting and have a relationship with people, they'll come to you. And you can, you can give them, and if you start feeding them, they'll, they'll, it returns. You know? And uh, so I, I try to give as much as I can, but I get so much more in return. It's very selfish because it's very gratifying. You know, you know, I like it. So it it feels good, you know, and so that's why I like to do it. So your your philosophy, um, you know, I've um, 
I, I've heard you talk about empathy, understanding, discipline. Does that come from Does that come from sports, from coaching sports? Because it strikes me that those are the those are the elements of a really great coach: empathy, understanding, and discipline. Is that where that comes from? Some of it. It's also uh, I had the benefit. I I grew up with loving parents who were my parents were somewhat uh, were intellectuals. I grew up overseas. And I grew up until I went to, to college, I lived overseas. We lived in Southeast Asia uh, and uh, a little bit in Africa. And so you learn to see different perspectives of not only the U.S., but the world and different, different cultures and different groups. So all those things and understanding, you know, appreciating why certain things are done. So that, that's basically, that's how I learned empathy. And, and coaching does come with that. Um, you know, I, I think I should have been a gym, a gym teacher because, you know, I like team sports. I, I like, you know, and it, it really, you can, to me, and with the exception of baseball to a degree, coaching a team sport is coaching team sports, whether it's soccer, whether it's basketball, whether it's um, uh, football. The practices are basically organized the same way, at least in my experience. They're organized the same way, and it's all with a common goal to, to do something, you know, in football, maybe to hit the person opposite you so that somebody can move the ball and soccer sort of to avoid it so that you can move the ball and, ba- you know, and basketball is passing, you know, to move the ball to, to, to get the shot. But the, basically, they're all sort of uh, the same. Individual sports are different. Uh, and, you know, and just how it's treated. One of my, um, just, as a, just as an aside, one of my kids was a very good tennis player. And the problem with Tennis, though, as you progress through tournaments, it's a lonely sport. Adam loved the practices. There was a, a big sports club downtown here in Chicago that had on Saturdays would have a basically round-robin open practice for all these kids who were all great players. That's what he liked the most. He ended up quitting tennis and playing soccer, and I remember his tennis coach saying, this is the biggest mistake he's ever going to make. You know, and our my wife's uh, reaction uh, was the same as mine was. We hope so. He wasn't going to be John McEnroe. He's not going to be. You know, wasn't going to be. You know, he'll be a good tennis player. He still is a good tennis player, but it's not. You know, it's it's much more. He liked the the camaraderie. And that that may be the most valuable lesson that comes from this entire episode, Charlie. Because I, as a as a dad of a, a thirteen going on fourteen year old right now. He played, and I coached him in baseball for five years, and then he got really into martial arts. Uh, He was an excellent uh, uh, tournament-winning martial artist, and he developed a passion for, like, like your son, tennis, and, you know, I, I sat back and I said to my wife, look, they're, they're not giving out college scholarships, you know, every day when he practices, let him learn about life. Let him, sure. let him understand, you know, about being a part of something that's bigger than himself, about hard work, about how to handle adversity. And if he's, whatever he's passionate about when it comes to sports, let him do that because that's when those lessons will sink in. And I think, Charlie, we as parents, and you know, maybe maybe your experience with your other kids led you to this. It took me getting hit in the head by watching my kids suffer through things that I wanted him to do versus things that he wanted to do. You know, when they find something they're passionate about, that's when those life lessons are going to open up. And you're, you know, they're not giving college scholarships to eight-year-olds. Let them do what they want to do, and that's where they're going to learn the most. 
And speaking of learn the most, Charlie, I want you to think of three things that people should take away from our time together today. Three big lessons um, in your mind that you want people to take away. And as you're thinking of that, I'm going to remind our friends who are listening, our friends who are watching, that our show is brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. We wouldn't be here without them. And they've worked for over 35 years to provide outstanding representation in the field of accounting and business financial advisory. Now, I talked to you earlier in the show about how Sandrowski Corporate Advisors works with litigators and they potentially could do some forensic accounting. Now, I just want to mention they also work with high net worth individuals. Now, there's a there's a thing. It's a it's a separate company. It's called a family office, which many high net worth individuals set up to manage their investments. And sometimes families who are uh, affluent choose to get together with other families, and they have a multifamily office. Now. This is a, a bit of a complex structure, but the good news is Sandrowski can help you with that because they wrote the book on family offices. They literally wrote a textbook that's being used to teach people how to form family offices and about the proper accounting for family offices. So if you know someone that's thinking about managing their, uh, their net worth through the use of a family office or someone who's thinking about joining a multifamily office, give Sandrowski a call. 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. Doesn't matter where you are in the country, they can help you. They understand these things inside and out. They're a CPA firm with a different perspective. Also, I want to remind you, get your free gift, revenueroadmapguide.com. That's the website. You can download a business development plan if you're a professional or if you're in a relationship business. My gift to you for being a listener, for being a viewer, revenueroadmapguide.com. Download your free business development plan today. Okay, Charlie, what are the three big things we're going to take away from our time together? Well, you know, you started with candor, contrition, cooperation. Remember that. Remember that. That's that's one. Um, I'm counting that, even though it's three words, I'm counting that as one. The next one is, is the general, uh, the, 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 the three stages that you go through when anything happens to you, which I, I learned a long time ago, react, regroup, refocus. I didn't think of that, but that's, you know, and, and I always think of Charles Barkley, you know, when he gets a foul, when he had a, a long time ago, when he would get a foul called on him, he'd always like, you know, turn around and what, you know. And then he'd run down the court shaking his head, and then he'd turn around and play defense. You know, and those, those, those you know, so those were all the things. And then it's the, 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 the three things that, frankly, I tell everybody who works with me, and it's basically my, my employee handbook, which is if you make a mistake or you get in trouble or do something, don't lie to me. You know, uh, that's one. Don't, don't embarrass me, which means don't embarrass them. Don't do something where you're going to regret. Think about what it's going to look like as Exhibit A. You know, on a big three by five poster when they when they used to be posters as opposed to being on the uh, screen, and you know, don't take me for granted, which means don't take anybody for granted. You know, say what you're going to do, be open about it, and just uh, you know, nine percent of the time, everybody will say fine. So th- those are the three things. Great advice. Thank you so much, Charlie. It was such an honor to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us, my friends. Thank you, David. Charles Franklin is an attorney in Illinois, and he's here for you if you're a licensed professional. I want you to reach out to him. You can connect with him by going to fgcclaw.com 
or you can give them a call, 847-701-2250, 847-701-2250. I'm going to put all that as well as Charlie's bio in the show notes. It's impressive. I want you to go there and take a look at it. Reach out to him. Give him a call. Connect with him. He's a wealth of information, and he can also help you. You know, if you get in trouble, the first thing you need to do is call call someone, call a lawyer. If you're in Illinois, call Charlie. You have attorney-client privilege. So be open and honest with him. Tell him everything that happened. And he's going to give you good advice on how to proceed. And he's going to do everything he can to keep you out of trouble. You're not going to be able to do it yourself. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Really, it was my pleasure. Thank you. That'll do it for another episode of the Inside BS Show, folks. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you right back here again tomorrow. We're here every day with a brand new interview for you. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.